I, I guess the one thing he always said, um, you know, you always strive to be the best you can be. Work hard enough to be the best you can be. And if that's not good enough, that's fine. You can live with that. But, you know, you don't ever want to have the what-ifs. You haven't worked hard enough or you haven't um, done the right things. And, you know, to look back on with regret um, that, you know, you could have done something differently and made it. So I guess that was the biggest piece of advice growing up is just to make sure you put in all the effort and, um, you know, if, it do, if you don't succeed, you still feel feel good about it because you gave it your all. And, um, you know, I guess I'm not where I want to be yet, but, you know, I'm, I guess, halfway there and, um, you know, still working hard to try to try to get better and better every year. That was Ryan Fox, and this is Dugget, the podcast. Kia, Maya, Kia, Maya. Welcome to Dugget, your daily dose of vitamin D O U N G to get you through the day, through the week, through life. Healthy and happy as can be. Oh, what's that dad's drilling in the background again? Disturbing the peace, but that's okay. We continue with the fantastic Mr. Ryan Fox today. And uh, I used to play golf. I played golf a couple of times with Ryan back in the day. Uh, back in the day would be ooh, seven years ago when I was an aspiring pro. And um, Ryan had the X factor back then. He'd hit it about 100 meters past anyone else including myself and uh, had amazing mental toughness and uh, you know you could kind of tally at the X factor to maybe go on to something bigger and I was intrigued to kind of chat to him particularly about his father and what his father passed on to him being Grant Fox one of New Zealand's top rugby players and um, and those kind of words of wisdom whether there were any or 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 what kind of his secret secret is to to get to where he is now, and, and he's obviously not where he wants to be in terms of his big goals and aspirations. But he's, as he mentioned, he's kind of halfway there. He's really kind of cracked on, and um, has played in the Olympics. Managed to just pip out another great goal for Michael Hendry to play with Danny Lee in the Rio Olympics, and he's played um, qualified for the British Open too. And he said he'd played with ten of the or six of the top 10 players in the world recently, the likes of Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, just to name a few. And he's had Steve Williams on the bag catting for him at the New Zealand Open. So he's uh, in the great circles of golf. And um, he comes from a great sporting lineage with his dad, as I mentioned, one of New Zealand's top ever rugby players and his granddad playing a New Zealand cricketer. And... Um, and I didn't realize Ryan also had he started a law degree and he gave that up and he gave up the rugby and cricket careers as well to follow his uh, passion, which was golf. And it was interesting that little intro how he talked about just working hard and giving it his best. But also, there's another piece where he talks about his dad. He almost he almost gave up. He said he was at the point of tears after missing the cart and he was about to lose his cart and was looking at jobs and another life, another career. And then he, his dad asked him, you know, why, why he plays golf. And he said, for fun. And that's what he said he'd do 
his dad said, that's what we'll do next week. We'll just play for fun. And he had one of his best ever finishes, um, top five in the Australian PGA, I believe, with Australian Masters with Adam Scott and managed to keep his card. And then, and it's a bit of a golf, even if you're not into golf, it's a bit of a metaphor for life like anything we do. And, uh, you know, right at the bottom, you can only go up. And uh, there's certainly been some highs and lows in Ryan's career as with, I imagine pretty much everyone. <laughs> it's nice to kind of talk to these people and that's kind of a bit of the goal of the podcast to kind of give some insights into health and happiness but also to pull down the veil that we can hold up over these people we kind of idolize and um, and just to recognize they're all human. We've all got the same issues, the same problems and we're just kind of, we're just trying to deal with them in our own way and um I loved how Ryan kind of brings so much simplicity to the game and that's one of his focuses. He just kind of grips it and rips it. And um, and it it's interesting. Sometimes you're looking for the mystery sauce or the special ingredient, or but really it's just keeping it simple. So much of life is trying to take away things rather than put more in. And um, golf is certainly one for that. And I think that applies to everything we do so even if you're not into golf i'm sure you'll get a lot out of it as i certainly did so here is the fantastic mr ryan fox so for people um who don't know anything about you you're i see you're number two or three in new zealand at the moment i saw your rankings 150 that's you, Hendry, yeah. and, and Lee. Hendry's got me, and Danny Lee's got me. So, but um, and you, but you've just got your European tour card, so that's the that's the we go now, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I've played one event outside of European tour this year, and everything else will be European tour, pretty much. So, oh, well. although it's not really European, it's Every, well, we start up in Europe in May, but it's everywhere else before that. Yeah. Because what's, what's the net? What's the in China to start then? Uh, Shenzhen International, then Volvo China Open. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, it's really yeah, exciting. Pardon, miss that. How, how's life with you? All as well? Yeah, good, good. Actually, I think I was talking to someone about you the other day. Um, but you're up in Tiari at the moment. Just. Uh, Looking at some ideas with uh, some cool entrepreneurs like the founder of EcoStore and Michael Mayle, who I had on the podcast recently about communal living and organic farming, and um, and want to do some work with depression in schools this year. So, but you got a great nice. place up in Tiari. I've been uh, had a had a golf with that. She met Mitch uh, Price the other day and talked about surfing and how he, uh, he's been out with you a few times as well. And um, yeah, enjoying the beach. Eh? <laughs> He's a good lad. That's an awesome place up there. I've, I haven't. I've played Tarradia probably five or six times now, maybe a bit more. Oh That's wow! A good track. Who do you go out with there? Do you have a, a friend or that? Do you get someone invites that invites you up? Yeah, I've got a mate who's a member there. So and he's got way too much money, so he just <laughs> invites us whenever we get, we get a good day. So oh, it's nice. been pretty good. I I've played it like- a couple of. Weeks. We had a wedding up there on. Um, Oh, yeah, three weeks ago now. I had a wedding up there on Friday, and we got to play it Friday, Saturday, so it was pretty sweet. 
Oh, well, it's unreal. Yeah, we're just back from that, so kind of look over the back of it with the trees, but you don't see anything. But, um, oh, it's such a magic, magic spot, eh? Yeah, it's a wicked place in the world. He's building another golf course, apparently, about well, a little bit down the coast, more public. Oh, well, because I heard that Jack, we, my uncle was friends with um, the landscape guy, and so we, we toured, toured around the course with him, but he said he might get a job with the same guy that came down in Queenstown, I think, or some of the South Island yeah. to look at another course as well. He's put one in Wanaka as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's another Which world. Really good. And then, yeah, apparently there's another one going in as part of Tara E.T. or near the same property, um, um, but just a bit more accessible to the public. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the only thing. It'd be nice if they could get on there a bit easier. But what's um, I was just thinking when you're on tour now, what what's your daily routine look like if you're here, then everywhere between hotels and golf courses oh. and driving ranges? <laughs> How do you manage it with like food and sleep and? Oh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's more a weekly routine. So you've got the like a practice round on generally a Tuesday, travel day is Monday, uh, generally. Oh, this week it's been a little bit earlier. Um, and then, you know, you've got oh, you got to make time practice round. I've got a bunch of drills that I do um, on the golf, got on, practicing as well. So, you know, spend some time doing a little bit of that on, say, Tuesday and Wednesday, try to throw in a gym session or two, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, uh, obviously kick into it on Thursday and you know you get one afternoon off on Thursday or Friday depending on when the tea time is and um, you know that's either gym or if you're in a nice place you go do something touristy and um, yeah it's it's a bit yeah, it's a bit same old you know we go to a whole bunch of places but you know it doesn't really matter where you are you've it's still it's still work and you still do the same things and um, you yeah, Get to play some pretty cool golf courses, but it's not not as glamorous as what it's made out to be. That's right. That I just thought of it. It was Andrew Leoli who played for I think he played for Auckland. He's a CFB Pure, and he was staying with us the other day. And, and he was like, "I wouldn't wish <laughs> the professional golf tour on anyone." Like, how full on it can be, but I guess if it's what you love, yeah, it's still good. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not complaining about it. But you know, you see, I guess. I mean, you know what it's like. You're involved in golf. You see those guys at the very top end, yeah, you know, flying everywhere in private jets and doing all this cool stuff. And, and you know, for you know maybe twenty guys in professional golf, it's a little bit like that. But then for everyone else, there, you know, it's, you know, it's just you go from hotel room to golf course to airport and keep doing it basically. And then I mean, yeah, all the other stuff you have to do. I know those top guys. Um, you know, there's so much pressure on their time. You know, they've got to do so much stuff for sponsors and um, obviously try to maintain their golf game and, you know, play certain events. And, you know, it's it's not saying it's tough because we play for a lot of money, but, you know, you've got a lot of... It, it, it's hard to make time to, to do things that you want to do sometimes. Yeah, what's the... I see you got the Olympics shirt on too. I was going to say, what, what have been the highlights of being on tour oh, the last few years is there anything that really stands out yeah there's there's two um pretty obvious ones to be honest and obviously the olympics is one of them 
um, and then playing the Open Championship at St Andrews um, in 2015 was a was a highlight as well. So, you know, um, both completely different in the Olympics, something that you'd never thought as a golfer would be a possibility until, oh, I mean, it was it was on the radar probably six or eight years ago when it got announced that golf was going to be in, but, you know, never thought I'd be in the position to be able to, to qualify for it um, for the first one and ended up beating Mike by two places um, to, to get in, which was, you know, it was a nice battle. We both had a few really good results um, to, to kind of, well, to push each other pretty hard and yeah, to get in that was pretty cool and then I qualified for the Open um, through final qualifying two years ago and you know get to tee it up and at St Andrews is, at home a golf in a major is pretty special yeah well um, and what's because uh, I remember playing back in the day like obviously you had some pretty natural ability and we're really long off the tee but I thought yeah, I saw your dad on the on the bag a lot and you must have some different caddies now as well. But well, what's been like the piece of advice from your dad or what do you think separates maybe you from the guys you played with in New Zealand or maybe that you see with the very top guys? Is it purely mental? Do you think it's a, it's a hunger thing? Do you think is anything that stands out for you? It's hard to, it's, you know, hard to pick one thing, but, you know, there's... Um, yeah, there's definitely a mental side to it. I think you know that's the hardest thing about any any sport is is playing at the top level is being mentally able to to compete. Um, you know, obviously I got some fairly decent genes in that regard. Pretty lucky with that, and um, obviously a lot of help from dad along the way as well with him caddying for me. And um, you know, I guess the hard thing from a New Zealand point of view is we don't have necessarily a lot of very good golf courses so you go overseas and almost have to learn how to play tournament golf overseas rather than playing in New Zealand and we we don't have you know the depth of competition which is obviously more got to do with population than than talent but you know you go over to the US or even to Australia um, you know they seem to churn out a lot of very very good golfers, and that's just due to them playing. You know, guys growing up playing really good golf courses, and and with really competitive. Well, it's just the players are really competitive. So you've you know, you learn pretty quickly. You've got to you got to work hard. You got to you know, if you can't compete at that level, you can't go any higher. And um, obviously, you know, they have a lot of guys that that do that every year, basically. And, you know, we're, we're, we do punch well above our weight in New Zealand, but, no, I don't think we're ever going to be a massive global force in golf. You know, we're always going to have one or two guys and girls competing at the highest level, like, you know, um, like Lydia and Danny and myself and Mike Hendry, but, you know, we're never, you know, or Campbell, Bob Charles back in the day, but, you know, we're not going to have, you know, 10 or 15 people killing it on tour every Every year, it's just you know we don't have the population to sustain that really. What was there anything your dad did when you were kind of wanting to get serious into golf that, like a strategy or a piece of advice to, to kind of get to that next level? Because I guess there's so many good kind of like good golfers. Um, was there anything he tried to instill in you? Do you think? 
Well, maybe no, it was another I, player or... I guess the one thing he always said, um, you know, you always strive to be the best you can be. Work hard enough to be the best you can be. And if that's not good enough, that's fine. You can live with that. But, you know, you don't ever want to have the what-ifs. You haven't worked hard enough or you haven't um, done the right things. And, you know, to look back on with regret um, that, you know, you could have done something differently and made it. So I guess that was the biggest piece of advice growing up is just to make sure you put in all the effort and, um, you know, if it do, if you don't succeed, you still feel feel good about it because you gave it your all. And, um, you know, I guess I'm not where I want to be yet, but, you know, I'm, I guess, halfway there and, um, you know, still working hard to try to try to get better and better every year. Yeah, and I saw you had um, Steve Williams on your bag too. How was, how was that? Have you spent that much time cool. with him? Yeah. Uh, I've spent a little bit of time with him over the, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. I've um, been lucky enough to play with uh, him and Adam Scott a couple of times, once in a practice round for the Open and, and once in the Aussie PGA last year. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of chats to Steve, which has been nice, but it was, you know, awesome to have him on the bag for a week he's you know obviously renowned as the best caddy in the world um and you know i still would hold that to be true you know he's very very good at what he does and um it's hard to it's hard to describe what makes him so good but he just makes the way he words everything um you know he he tells you exactly where to hit it without being bossy if you completely buy into what what he says and make, he makes you feel so confident and almost makes it makes it easy you know all I all I had to do that week was swing the golf club he was the one thinking about what what shot to hit and everything else and um yeah it was pretty cool actually to to experience that uh give me a second I just plug my phone in I had 40% battery and I'm now <laughs> down to uh I'm now down to 10, which is a little bit of an issue. Okay. Do you mind? I've got another phone with batteries. <laughs> Fine, I'll pick up on the other one. How does that yeah, sound? Yeah, no, yeah, it sounds tip-top. Um, with some Sweet. good improvisation. Uh, because yeah, what, yeah. what, what are you, you travelling with? I mean, because it's so much... I remember travelling through Italy to the Italian amateur and I was trying to get the train with my sister and I had the like golf coffin with the bag and I had my other like carry-on, another big bag and trying to run for the train and... Jeez, it was a lot of gear. And you got a touring bag as well, so... What does he... Yeah, I mean, you just... Yeah, every week's a suitcase and a, and a golf bag and a backpack and... Um, yeah, you just you just get used to it. I feel I travelled the other day to Sydney without a golf bag for the first time in a long time, and it felt really really weird. You just get <laughs> get used to it. You pay some excess baggage fees and get pretty efficient at packing, so you're not overweight too much. But um, yeah, it's it, it's tough. You know, travel's tough, and obviously um, trains and everything like that like that make make it a little more difficult than normal um golf bags aren't designed to be carried up and down stairs too often so um you know airports aren't so bad but it's all the other little stuff and you know trying to fit three guys sometimes in a little rental car with you know three golf bags and three suitcases makes it pretty interesting i know you you would have done a little bit of that back in the day as well yeah have you got any good story any particular stories that stand out from the travels that are like me memorable <laughs> and the, the logistics area 
Um. Um. No, nothing no, too bad. No There's been a of not, yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, as I said, the usual cramping three guys into a tiny rental car and being uncomfortable as hell. I think we just broke up with Ryan there, but he's back. You know, lying on your bed or sitting on a couch just watching TV and just crashing completely, which, um, you know, I know it doesn't sound very social or, or very fun, but um, sometimes just doing nothing's you know, the best thing for the body and the mind just to completely shut off and let everything recuperate a little bit. Yeah, do you, do you have like a meditation practice or, or any kind of uh, routine for that outside of kind of just watching a TV show too or do you just find that's, yeah, that exhausting? No, not really. Yeah. I've, you know, I, you know, doing a little bit of stretching and rolling around on a roller is about um, as far as it goes with that. I've done a little bit of hypnosis stuff in the past um, and still do the odd tape here and there, but um, you know, I've never found it too hard to, to switch off. Um, you know, As I said, all I need is kind of an iPad and a TV and the brain goes into um, blah <laughs> mode pretty much. Um, you know, pretty much puts me to sleep or, or you know, occasionally reading a book that works pretty well as well. So um, I'm pretty basic when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, any good books you've kind of – is there any one book you kind of recommend to friends or that you've read over and over again or that kind of stands out as well? Um, no, not really. I've generally read all the, all the um, you know, crappy action books, really. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing too stressful again. Um, I guess reading is to turn off the mind for me, not to turn it on. So if you can, mm. um, yeah, I've, yeah, read like you know the Left Childs and um, you know that kind of Jack Reacher books where and there's a little bit of thrill involved in it, but you don't have to think too hard to try to work anything out. And I uh, read a few autobiographies here and there, um, mainly musicians and stuff like that, which um, I, I enjoy a bit of music outside of outside of golf so um you enjoy reading those stories and yeah as i said trying to turn the mind off rather than stimulate it too much yeah uh, it's funny because tim ferris talks about that too reading a lot of fictional stuff at night just to do that that exact thing just tap out of that when you're such an analytical person but is there um on the music front is there like is that part of your routine you know getting ready for a, a round because i mean golf is so routine focused and is is there any kind of particular routine you follow? No, I mean my, my my routine's pretty basic. Going out, like I don't have any any rituals beforehand, other than you know if I've got a bit of time in the morning, you know, roll around on the roller and do some stretching and stuff. Um, but if I've got a six thirty tea time, that kind of goes out the window for a little bit of sleep. Um, and then you know I, I turn up to the golf course about an hour before. Um. Or, you know, depending if I've had breakfast or not, maybe an hour and a half before if I want to have breakfast at the golf course. And then I start my warm-up at probably 45 to 50 minutes before tee time, depending on, you know, how far everything is away from the first tee. And I just hit some balls uh, for about 20 minutes, do some chipping for about 10 minutes and do some putting for 10 minutes. And then, you know, pretty much on the tee box. And, you know, again, I, I try to... For me, everything's trying to simplify everything rather than um, make it 
make it too complicated. And I'm one of the guys that when I get to the golf course, I really want to get out there and play. So I, you know, try to try to make my warm up quite quick so I don't stand there and get bored and, you know, I guess not anxious, but eager to get out there. And, um, yeah, that seemed to work pretty well for me over the last few years. Nice. It kind of reminds me of just like knowing yourself, knowing what kind of works for you. And yeah, I, I think that, I mean, that's what you hear a lot of guys say out here. You know, there's a lot, you know, there's plenty of guys that practice really, really hard, don't play that much apart from tournament golf. Um, and you see those guys on the range a lot during the week. Um, and then you get other guys that play a lot and don't necessarily practice a lot. It's just, you know, how they how their brain works and you know all you've got to do is find out what works for you best and you know what works for Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods or whatever might not work for you know Fred Couples or um, me or you know whoever else and it's um, yeah I guess the biggest thing is working out what works best for you and um, you know there's maybe a little bit of experimentation here and there to see if you can find something better but once you find something that works pretty much stick to it. Nice. And is there one player you've played with who's really, you know, talking Tiger and Rory and how, how he played with Adam Scott, is there any player in particular that's inspired you or that you've really enjoyed playing with? Um, yeah, I've, I've actually I've had a pretty good run the last three or four months. Um, I play with five guys that are in the top ten in the world in the last four months, so it's pretty hard to, to pick out of those, but, you know, uh, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, uh, Dustin Johnson, Alex Noren, Hideki Matsuyama, and Ricky Fowler. Oh, that's six guys, oh, actually, wow. who've been in the top <laughs> 10 in the world. So, um, you know, it's pretty cool to be able to test yourself against those guys. And, um, you know, I guess to see f- for me that I'm not too far away from, from where I want to be. And, um, you know, I guess that you know obviously Dustin's playing some impressive some sort of seriously impressive golf this year and he finished second the week in Abu Dhabi when I played with him and I guess you know you, that's something to aspire to and you know to play with him to compete with him I, you know he shot 64 that day and made it look pretty easy I think I shot 69 but you know it was you know to not to see him and know it's not that far away um you know, and he's won a couple of PJ Tour events and WGC as well this year. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool to to have seen that firsthand, and and you can definitely take a bit of confidence from that. Because you probably got a few similarities there in terms of how long you are off the tee and a little bit unconventional. And is there how how did he measure up? Were you similar? It was it was very close off the tee, which was I guess nice for me. Um, <laughs> I got him a couple of times, and he got me a couple of times, and um, you know we, I think we finished the week driving distance about 0.3 of a yard apart. Um, unfortunately, I finished second on that part, but point, I don't think 0.3 of a yard's too too far away after four and four rounds of golf. So um, yeah, it was nice to play with him. And, you know, golf was pretty simple for him. I, you know, I don't think um, he thinks about it too much. It's you know I got to hit the ball there, and that's about it. You know, and it, it shows, um, I guess, taking all the thoughts out of your head is actually a pretty good way to play. Just, you know, and you talk to anyone that's been in the zone and that's what you almost don't think. It just happens. And I think Dustin plays golf a lot like that most of the time. 
Yeah, was there anything that you pick that you were watching those guys? Do you think while they've got just is it more consistency or a finer short game or or like is there weaknesses you you try and really work on that you see could lift you up to that level, yeah. or is it just being out there? It's I guess there's two things. One being comfortable at that high level, and those guys have obviously played a, a lot more golf than I have mm. um, at that level, so. Yeah, I guess the only way you get to do that is to is to keep playing at that level until you feel comfortable. So that um, you know, I've still got a bit to go in that regard. And yeah, there's a little bit of short game in there. Um, you know, my putter was a little bit cold and has been for a little while, but it's you know that's something that you can keep working on and and get better at. And um, you know, but overall it was it was nice to see as i said that the golf game wasn't too far away from where it needed to be if i keep working at what i'm doing you know hopefully i'll get there some point soon yeah no that's uh that's great and i was thinking too with that downtime like when you're in new zealand is there and you get a few weeks off do you, you go fishing hunting do you surf do you what's the what's the because you must enjoy it getting um, back for summer yeah yeah it's, it's home is a holiday for me really yeah. um you know, I know most people like going away on a holiday, but I'm away most of the year, so being back at home feels like my holiday. And um, my biggest thing is going fishing. Um, you know, I spend as much time on the water as possible, and um, you know, I've done a little bit of fishing overseas as well when I've got the chance. And um, I guess that's that's one thing I can get out there, and I completely forget about golf when I'm trying to catch a fish and um, figure out how to how to um, how to get one of those guys to take a lure or a bait and um, some, you know, they're not that smart, but somehow it seems like it's, it's hard at times, but yeah, I, that's, I, I love getting out on the water and I'm um, doing a little bit of, you know, traveling to different spots around New Zealand to, to do some fishing. You don't, don't you fly fishing? Nah, fly no. fishing's not my thing. Really. Yeah. yeah. I fish off a jet mostly at home. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of like soft bait fishing and, um, jigging and top water fishing and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually slightly worried if I started fly fishing, I'd get even more addicted to fishing. So I've tr- actually <laughs> tried to stay away. Oh, my brother's one of the top guides down here in NZ. So if you do think about getting into it, because I remember Jack Nicholas and uh, a lot of the, the top golfers come out here and, and fishing it seem to have a lot of similarities. I guess the art of uh, maybe more so yeah. fly fishing again. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny how they seem to parallel a lot. Yeah, I think I think a lot of guys do something that, you know, I said earlier, you know, at what I do at night, but you do something to completely turn off. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be the three main things are either playing a musical instrument, fishing, or surfing. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys on tour that do one or several of those things, um, which is, you know, um, you know, you hear all the guys surfing that when they're out, you know, you, when you're out there, you don't, you're not thinking of anything else but the wave. And I know I'm certainly like that with, with fishing. And, um, yeah, sometimes it is really good to switch off and think about something completely different. Nice. And, um, I was thinking back home, is there any particular food or, or meal that's like the family meal that you look forward to or something comforting food yeah. wise? Cause I was thinking when you're traveling, you're going to be eating just every i'm so into the nutrition at the moment i was thinking so hard to travel we had this tea master staying with us and he was taking all his own foods on the plane and 
Yeah, and is, it, it is. It's pretty hard with the travel. I mean, we do. I'd eat out pretty much every well, eat out every night on the road, and um, you know, when you're in a place like China, where I am this week, um, you can never, never quite know at a restaurant what the hell you're going to get. Um, we had one last year where we're at a mall and there was a few dodgy restaurants and a Pizza Hut and a McDonald's. So we alternated Pizza Hut and McDonald's every night, which you know sometimes it's better the the evil the you know than the evil you don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it gets pretty gets pretty tough on tour, and I certainly like coming home and um, you know Mum's roast is always always pretty high on the list of, of things to have when I get home and um, I guess my one my one vice when I get home is, is a meat pie. I know that's a very New Zealand answer but you don't get a lot of them overseas and the good old the good old bakery meat pie every now and again is, is a pretty good treat. <laughs> do they do with, with no, the- no it doesn't sound very healthy for an athlete but um, I don't mind my food and as long as there's not too many pies involved, I think I can get away with one or two. Because <laughs> do you get much, uh, do you like Sports New Zealand or your management, do you, like a management team or anyone that kind of tries to have you follow certain dietary or routines or um, manage the sponsorship or your caddy or your, you know, I know there's guys with whole teams around them or is it just you kind of do it yourself, figure it out as you go? I've, well, I've got a, a team around me. I've got a management company in the UK uh, called ISM, and they do all my flights and look after sponsorship and um, all the stuff that a management company should do, basically. Um, got a coach, obviously, uh, Marcus Wheelhouse. Uh, got a trainer at home, Paul Greenwood. Um, a physio at home, um, Trevor Montgomery, and then there's physios that travel on tour. And... Um, so, you know, I, I chiropractor as well um, back in New Zealand, Ian Woods. And so I, I work, you know, with those guys as much as possible when I'm at home and, uh, you know, then try to maintain maintain it when I'm away and you know, have a couple of people I go to see overseas to um, check up on things. And as I said, we're pretty lucky on tour. We have physios and doctors and everything travel week in, week out. So if there's anything going wrong, you can always pop in and see them. And um, in terms of the nutrition side of things I, I don't work with a nutritionist but um you know my trainers basically you know don't eat too much crap <laughs> but, you know just just the normal stuff that you know have a nice little plan to eat on the golf course um you know a little bit of protein and not too much sugar on the golf course to keep me going and um you know pretty pretty basic nutrition you know i think we're probably one of the sports that you you get away with it a little bit more than you know, say high intensity athlete, you know, like a rugby player or a runner or something like that. You know, we ours is more over a prolonged period of time, and it's, um, you know, you're not. You see a lot of guys on tour that aren't very fit, and you can obviously it does help to be fit, but it's also something that you can do. You know, everyone knows who John Daly is. Everyone's seen he's, you know, probably drunk more beers than he's than he's ever had healthy dinners in his life, and um, you know, it is it is possible. So you know, we we probably get away with the eating and um, you know being able to have a beer at night more than than what some of the other guys do. Yes, I and I guess it's the I mean, granddad was a top pro, and I guess part of the attraction for him, I think, was the social 
element of playing with you know new guys each week and having a beer afterwards and and maybe that gets lost sometimes in the professional sports and i don't know i guess that is there that must be part of the enjoyment too i'd imagine is meeting those guys after the round and yeah having a- yeah you do get a it's nice to you get it to meet a whole bunch of people from all over the world and um I guess no one goes silly. It's not like it used to be 20 years ago where, um, you know, there was a bunch of guys drinking a whole lot um, at night and, you know, enjoying the social side a bit more than the uh, than the playing. But, you know, we play for so much money now, you, you, you know, guys don't do that anymore. You know, as I said, there's nothing wrong with having a, a beer or two at night. I don't think that that's going to hurt hurt you the next day for a round of golf but you know no one's getting out there and, and drinking a dozen and waking up with a big hangover you know that's if if you're doing that you, you know, you're costing yourself a fair bit of money and um but it is nice that we can enjoy a bit of the social side of it you know as i said we go out to dinner most nights a week and obviously you can switch crowds and go with a few different people and um it's, a, it's an enjoyable part of being on tour and um, you know, we get the same guys pretty much traveling, traveling most weeks. But there's 150 guys in the field, and um, you know, everyone knows each other, and it's it's a pretty good atmosphere around the hotels and you know, out at dinner and and some of the nicer places we go in the world. If you if you could have a beer or dinner with kind of three people, is anyone that that jumps to mind that uh, you haven't met or that you and go outside of golf or within golf or is it just? Oh, I mean. The f- the first one would be Tiger, obviously. You know, <laughs> Have I you bumped up, into him at all? No, I haven't. Um, I've hit balls next to him on the range at the Open a couple of years ago, which was a very cool experience. I got a nice photo of that somewhere, and um, you know, I'd love you know you'd love to pick his brain and just hear some stories. Um, again, probably Jack Nicholas, uh, same thing, and um, I know I've heard. Maybe Ernie Els, um, you know, loves his rugby. Um, you know, been out here for a while, and I'm pretty sure he's got some pretty good stories to tell. So, you know, I think Ernie would more be the social, the social side, and some funny stories. And you'd probably hear some, um, you know, some pretty good insights into golf from from Jack and Tiger. I think that would be a pretty nice dinner dinner trio to have, or you know, a drinking trio to have, I guess. Yeah, and no, I'd certainly turn up to that table. And what? And and I was thinking too, what? What kind of got you into golf originally? Because, I mean, obviously, the old man's synonymous with being one of the greatest uh, footy players of New Zealand. And it's interesting following in someone's footsteps. You hear about, I know, Arnold Palmer's son following in his footsteps on tour, but different different people growing up and with a famous family or, or name. Was there, because you played rugby originally, correct, and grew up in Auckland and how the hell was yeah, that transition? I'm, what got you curious for golf, or what? I, I actually, I, I don't really know. I always played golf as a kid. I um, always had a little cut down or a couple of cut down clubs when I was really young, and used to whack balls around the backyard. So there was definitely an interest there early. But uh, I guess rugby and cricket were my main sports. My mum's dad actually played cricket for New Zealand as well in the thirties, forties, and fifties. So. Um, Oh, I got some pretty decent sporting genes in that regard. And then, um, yeah, I guess I, I played cricket and rugby all through school, joined Whitford Park when I was about 13 and um, 
got a bunch of mates I play golf with and I still do to this day when I when I get a chance at home and um, you know we play golf every weekend and every school holidays and you know as much as possible and then um, I don't know I, I caught the golf bug and um, I got down to about two 16 I think 16 or 17 while I was at school but still taking rugby and cricket more seriously than golf and uh, uh, yes I went to university started a law degree decided I didn't like I wasn't going to keep playing rugby I didn't like cricket anymore um, and then decided I'd give tournament golf a crack and I think I played the Waikato winter stroke play in it had been 2005 was my first ever tournament of 18 and I absolutely loved it and um, you know decided I want to keep trying to play tournament golf and got better and you know, made some New Zealand teams and then realised I might be able to do it as a career and pretty much kept going since. Yeah. Oh, well. And um, I better start to wrap it up for you. you got much planned for the rest of that. What time is it there? You said four hours. It's uh, five o'clock, okay. 5.30. Yes. I got nothing planned. I'm probably ordering room service and going to bed pretty early tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's not not going to be a lot on the cards. Probably if I can get Netflix to work, there might be some TV involved as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking there's a uh, I listened to this Peter Peter Thiel talk about great entrepreneurs how they often describe their team members as like a spirit animal or having a certain quality in their team. Is there one kind of like animal you you think you identify with? Um, I'll get plenty of stick for this, but I guess the silverback gorilla, and that's, I just, I I got, that was a nickname I had the whole way through, and, um, although I probably could say a fox as well, because that would make a bit of sense too, but, um, yeah, I, I got a, I got called the silverback for a while, and, um, I guess it fitted quite well with my golf game that I'd just give it a smash and, um, see what happened, and I don't think that mantra's changed too much to this day i'll probably hit a little bit straighter than i used to but um you know i still try to give it a hit and um you know play the good old john daly golf hit it find it and hit it again (laughs) and is there um is uh, like what what's the real motivation is it is it to get just better each day like you're saying with your, your dad or do you have these kind of life goals which um the golf kind of motivates you to set yourself up financially or to 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 achieve a life goal of getting into the top 20 or is any anything that particularly keeps you kind of hungry at the moment um no i mean there's been the goal to be i guess you know one of the best players to come out of new zealand and um you know that would be that's what keeps me going obviously the dream to win a major and you know win on the european tour win on the pga tour all that stuff and um you know you do that's what keeps you going. That's what makes you do that extra little bit of practice or, um, you know, get up at six o'clock in the morning for, for me, four o'clock in the morning, four thirty to go to the gym, um, during the week. And yeah, it's, um, you know, the, I guess there's still a drive of financial sh- security there as well. And, um, but that's not really the, the main one. And, you know, yes, I, I love being in contention and, and trying to win golf tournaments. And that's what, I focus on every week and obviously I want to keep doing that to the, to the highest possible level. That's, that's really what keeps me going. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was trying to think uh, out 
outside of golf is there anything you want to achieve too because i know like tiger's got charities and you must see a lot of things around the world and is there anything that you think you know something you you think should be different or that you'd like to change oh i can think of a few things at the moment but probably not in the in the position to to you know do too much about it obviously there's a there's a fair bit of crap going on around the world if you want to term it that but um no, I guess those things happen, um, uh, you know, for someone like Tiger when they're in a position that they they can help out. And, you know, if I ever got to that position, I, I'd like to do something. I'm not sure what that what that is yet. But, um, you know, as I said, there's a fair bit going around, on around the world at the moment. You know, it, would be, it, it wouldn't be too hard to find something to, to be passionate about in that regard. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of kids who don't get the chance to travel and, and- and, you know, you, you kind of take for granted how good New Zealand is, I think, sometimes, if you haven't seen the rest of the world. Is there, is there anything that stands out on your tour, which, is, you, you know, you feel pretty lucky to come from back home or that you see back home that you think, you know, if only we could make this uh, this change. I had this question, you know, if you are Prime Minister for a day, what would you, what would you like to do? <laughs> what would you implement? What would you like to do? Oh, I don't know. That's hard on the spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you don't have an answer, that's it's fine too. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to think about that one for a little bit. There's a lot of – you do a lot being Prime Minister for a day. I mean, Donald Trump's tried to do a lot yeah. being President. I'd have messed with most of it. Um, well, I heard Ben Warren, like, if, if this gives you some context too, Ben Warren, he said – he was like, I'd give everyone in New Zealand a day off to think of what they love to do, you know, that really excites them the most, that gets them out of bed, and then would think of a way to make, so they can make money out of that. And I was like, well, that's that's quite a, you know, yeah, that, that was interesting. That's, that's, that's a good answer. I mean, I guess I'm lucky enough to be able to do what he just said. <laughs> um, you know. I oh, know he was in that position. He was a professional golfer, wasn't he? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think him and Andrew were actually all talking about the other the, the other night, and um, he had back issues from dairy intolerance, and had this big kind of discovery of health, and that kind of suddenly golf fell by the wayside, and he was into biomechanics, and he got into this big health transition, and being like, "Well, flip! If I've never known about this in my whole life, I got to share this," and un- you know discover it for myself yep. and then share it and that's kind of really just motivated him now to be the leader in kind of personalized health and figuring out intolerances with people and genetic expression and and i was like well i wonder if there's um is there anything you see you know like there's a lot of people talk about the waterways in new zealand and uh, i don't know if there's anything that comes up for you no no dramas if uh, if not no i, I yeah i guess I, I mean, the thing for me I love about New Zealand is the access to the beaches and, you know, the wonderful scenery we've got. I mean, just to do everything we can to to preserve that as much as possible. I mean, that's the one thing. I, live, I lived in London for six months last year and, you know, London does a good job in terms of parks and all of that compared to a lot of big cities. But, you know, it's not like, um, you know, you live in Auckland. You you know more than twenty minutes from a beach wherever you want to go. The you know the beach is nice. You can catch fish in the Auckland Harbour. 
right beside the Harbour Bridge and take them home for dinner. And, um, yeah, we've just got to, you know, preserve that. Uh, I, I guess the one thing for me thinking about it would be fisheries management. Uh, that's a, probably a little bit of a selfish one. Um, you know, I, I love, I love, as I said, I love going fishing and, um, you know, would love to be able to do that for many, many years to come and take kids and grandkids fishing when I get older. And, um, you know, I know we've had some mismanagement of our quota system and all of that. So, I, I, you know, I'd love to see that sorted out and you know the whole of New Zealand not have any any issues um going forward with with that I know we probably still do a better job than a lot of other countries in the world but we can still do a better job of it again mm. and um have you got anything on the bucket list that's that's exciting too outside of golf is it to jump off some bridge and bungee jump or skydive or to see get to some golf course or uh, is it no oh. I get. I mean, the Masters is the is the bucket list on the golf course. I guess that is one tournament I'd love to play, and I'm, I mean, going further, I'd love to win it. But that's you know that's the biggest tournament in golf for me, and I um, you know hopefully get there as as a player. But if not, I'll definitely do my utmost to get there as a spectator, or to you know even get a chance to play it would be fantastic. Um, and even if it wasn't in a tournament. Um, I've done most of the the bucket list things, you know, skydiving, bungee jumping. I've I've had a crack at those. Um, I guess my my bucket list things are a couple of fishing trips around the world. Um, you know, I'd love to go fishing for sailfish in Malaysia or um, fishing for marlin in Costa Rica or somewhere like that. Um, you know, there's some pretty pretty cool destinations around the world like that. And as I said fishing's my passion outside of golf and. Um, yeah, would love to do a couple of trips like that. I just, unfortunately, at the moment, uh, don't have, don't really have the time, and um, don't know my schedule long enough in advance to, to really be able to do anything like that. Mm. Yeah, as because I was thinking, you get these this idea of the the joys of being a professional athlete and traveling around the world, but is there, and when we just see the good stuff you know, watching the tournaments and seeing in the press and stuff like that. But you hear, you know, I loved Andre Agassi's book, Open, how he kind of exposed the underside of it. And has it been, it seems like golf is such an up and down game too. Has there been any kind of really low moments? Um, yeah, there's been. perspective? There's been a couple. Um, I had one my second year as a pro. Well, it's probably been, been three. When I first played full-time golf when I left university. Well, when I finished university, I did two years as a full-time amateur golfer. And that I found that really hard to – golf all of a sudden came went from being fun to basically being a job. Even though I wasn't getting paid for it, I was still – had the feeling I had to be at the golf course every day. And that was a really hard transition to, to figure out what worked best for me that potentially grinding and – practicing every day spending 10 hours at the golf course didn't actually help me it made me mentally fatigued and you know got frustrated pretty easily easily with it and you know took a little while to to figure that out and then my second year as a pro I got very close to quitting um was playing very poorly and um wasn't enjoying it and I actually had probably another one for the dad what's dad said to you that that's helped you in your career and um I had two events left in the year and he was catting 
at one of them for me, which is the Australian Masters, and you know I was you know, almost in tears, missing the cut at the Aussie PGA the week before, and was had resigned myself to missing my tour card and getting another job at the start of um, the following year. And you know, just talking to Dad, he said, "You know, why do you play golf?" And I said, "Well, it's supposed to be fun." And he goes, "Well, just, we're going to do one thing this week, and that's go out and try to have fun." And you know, forgot about the outcome, forgot about everything else, and just tried to hit golf shots and have a bit of fun out there. And um, I finished finished tied fifth at the Aussie Masters to to keep my card. And um, you know, didn't didn't really have you know, really loved it from then on. And was you know, had a bit of a break at the end of the year and was ready to go at the start of the following year. And I guess I had another little patch um, last year when my girlfriend and I had moved to London. And, you know, just, I guess, the whole change of scene and trying to set up a new, in a new country, a new city that I'd only spent a week in before that and, um, you know, a bit of stress involved in that and playing some poor golf and missing some cuts. And, you know, when you do that, um, you know, trying to play all over the world, you burn through money pretty quickly. And I was certainly burning a lot more than I was, I was earning at that point. And um, I, I certainly wasn't enjoying it that much but um you know i've talked to a couple of people and you know just trying to go back to basics i had a couple of good weeks and it's amazing how quickly it flips after that and had it had a really good end to the year and got a european tour card for this year so you know sometimes the hard you have to go through the hard stuff for the good stuff to be to mean a bit more i think yeah i was just thinking with all this even like the suicide in new zealand and how how life can turn like golf you know like in an instant you know one opportunity and you uh things can change so quickly eh? it's it's, it's yeah fascinating yeah yeah like as i said that a couple of times in professional golf for me it's only taken a week or two to to turn things around and it's you know it's amazing you know there's not necessarily a change technically or anything like that in the golf swing that the the change is mental you just find some self-belief and some confidence and it starts building and, you know, all of a sudden you start worrying about the bad shots or whatever you were hitting. But, you know, when you're going down that spiral, sometimes you can't see a way out of it. Mm. And is anyone on tour, because, I mean, everyone must go through it. Is, do you have any, some some guys you chat to about it and and, and guys on tour you can you can kind of open up to? Um, no, I mean, I guess the one person I talked to is my old man, um, more about that. You know, I've done a little bit of work with some psychologists at home as well. And if, um, you know, I, I know they'd be, be happy to have a chat if I, I was really struggling. Um, but I've managed to, I guess, work my way through it myself for the most part. Um, you know, I, I guess guys aren't necessarily the most open about talking about their feelings, especially, um, in a competitive environment out on tour, but you know, you certainly know when, you know, if you're struggling, when you see someone else struggling, you know, a whole bunch of guys are feeling for them because they've all been through that, um, you know, and and guys might, as I said, they might not necessarily talk about it, but you know, they might be encouraging to a guy if they're playing with them, and um, you know, just just trying to just trying to pick, you know, just pick them up a little bit, and you know. As we said, it's only sometimes the smallest thing 
one week can can change a whole lot. And um, you know, you see that plenty of times on tour. Guys missing seven cuts in a row and then coming out and winning one week just for the change in mentality. And um, it's pretty amazing to see something like that happen. Yeah, awesome. Is there any uh, one piece of advice you'd have for your twenty or eighteen year old self uh, looking back now? Um, I I guess to keep having fun with it. I mean, I you know, there's been some places where it hasn't been fun, and it, it's tough. And you know, when you're having when you're having fun, uh, I play golf because it's fun. That's why I started it. That's why I still play it now. And um, you know, I didn't know what it was, what professional golf was going to be like at an eight, as an eighteen or twenty year old, but um. You know, would have been, would have liked to tell myself to make sure you, you know, you enjoy it along the way. You know, you don't put too much pressure on yourself, and you actually play better golf when you're having fun. Mm. And if you had one piece of advice for for people in life, just in general, would that would that be it as well, or is is there anything else you, you could think of? No, yeah, I, I I'm not necessarily the best at that kind of stuff, but you know, you've got to. <laughs> Oh, what? The I heard something the other day which made a lot of sense. When when you're a kid, you have big feelings. So, you know, you you get a new toy, it makes you feel really happy. You you know, you get to go to the beach, it makes you feel really happy. As an adult, you don't get those big swings. You know, you've got a you've got to find the joy in the little things and all the little things can add up to that big feeling of joy. So I guess, yeah, take as much joy out of the little things as you can take. Beautiful, man. Appreciate, appreciate your time and uh, such a joy to no see problem. you and to hear about, hear about what you're up to and see a Kiwi yeah, on the been world stage. Yeah, it's been a, been, a, been a few years and um, I know I've been a difficult man to get hold of at times, but um yeah, nice to nice to chat to a Kiwi while overlooking a nice golf course in Shenzhen. <laughs> I'm always happy to have a yarn and look forward to maybe even getting oh, out yeah, of the water with you sometime and uh, getting up to Tariti or something if you're back. But um, yeah, yeah, sounds good and love to come in for a yoga session when I'm back. I did a little bit of yoga back in the day. I'm <laughs> be absolutely hopeless at it. My body is definitely not built for flexibility, but um, did have a bit of fun doing it. Um, back in the day, oh, and I appreciate it, man. And, uh, and and it's inspiring to to chat to you and listen to you. And I'm sure many people get a lot out of this. And um, wish you all the best for the year too. It's it's yeah, it's great. It's just great to follow. And I'm always looking out for yourself and Hendry and the Kiwi guys on tour. And it's just neat to yeah. I was always uh, that one round I played with you at Puckerang, and I remember you hitting a drive about 100 meters past us all and. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was pretty impressive. So I've done, I've done that to a couple of people over the years. <laughs> it's just nice when they go straight. <laughs> I'll have a yeah, have an awesome time in China, and um, yeah, really appreciate the time, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy talking, and um, yeah, hopefully catch up soon, mate. Beautiful brother. Oh, that was such a treat. We actually, did that Skype last minute. Um, at night and it was a real bonus for me to, to be able to catch up with Ryan in China. Uh, it would be nice to do it in person but 
I really appreciate the time that he took uh, out of his afternoon <laughs> watching movies in the hotel room um, on his way on the European tour this year. So follow, follow him again, Ryan Fox Golfer on Twitter. And I really look forward to seeing Ryan perform well this year on TV. I'm sure he'll do his best and uh, hopefully have fun along the way. And um, also check out Ben Warren, what your health, What's Your Health Story seminar this week, Tuesday and Wednesday in Auckland City. And he's touring around New Zealand. So use the code, uh, promo code BPURE to get 10% off. That's going to be a really awesome evening. And I'm, we often achieve things despite what we do, not because of them. So you don't know what kind of health and happiness you can unleash. We don't know quite what we're capable of. So Ben's helped to... He's trying to help you discover that for yourself and it's kind of hard with nutrition to figure it out. It's an individual journey and I think know thyself is um, such great wisdom by Socrates and a bit like Ryan talking about knowing his own game. Getting to know your own health is really important too so hopefully you can get along and thanks again for listening in. As always, think less, experience more. Hope you dug it. present moment when you trust without fear when you trust without fear